Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 154. Have you tried to play this solo? That is an inside joke and not at all funny. <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Aren't they always supposed to be inside jokes, sort of? <laughs> Are they well, ever funny? No. Well, I, I agree with you that they're not always very funny. But what? No. I mean, they're supposed to be inside jokes for people inside the podcast. Like, people inside the podcast are supposed to get it. You're referencing stuff that happened off the air. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know what to say. Do you have a better intro? No. Okay, well, there you go. Well, in that case, welcome back, everybody. How are you doing? I hope uh, you're enjoying the show. I hope you can enjoy the show. Hi, Julius. <laughs> I hope they're already enjoying the show. Yeah. From our starting shenanigans. <laughs> I no doubt, no doubt they are. Um, how have you been? What's new? <sighs> Not a whole <laughs> lot. Work is different in the middle of the Chagim. Um, enjoying Rosh Hashanah, getting away from Kippur and Sikkus, and uh, living life, living life large. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I've been super busy. Work is. I'm enjoying work to a point where sometimes I, I kind of don't want to go to lunch so I can keep working on my programs. So. <laughs> So that's kind of nice, but kind of busy. Um, I have not gamed tons, but I have been playing a few different games. I finally played some of my uh, graphic novel adventures. So cool. Those books are so good. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, but today we're going to be talking about a game called Five Tribes. Have you heard of it? Once or twice. Okay. It's an older game. It's not three years old or so. Um, so let's do that before we do that. Let's talk about some news because we actually have news. Go uh, for it. Yep. Okay. So let me jump to my news page here. Do, 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 do. Okay. So the first news is actually not about a solo game, but it is a game we covered once because there's a, a solitaire variant, much like Five Tribes. Agricola, all creatures big and small that has been out of print and unavailable for a while is getting reprinted in a big box edition, which is going to include all the both the expansions. That's pretty exciting because those expansions have been really hard to find and, and actually quite expensive. You could go on eBay and get one for like 50 or 60 bucks. And this is for like a tiny expansion that's just 20 tiles. So the new edition is going to include everything. And though it's not specifically a solo game, there is a, a couple variants available on BGG that are that are pretty decent and pretty fun. Um, so, so it I, comes with the Albert thumbs up. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Great game. And, and like I said, it's all the stuff for, that's been released before. I don't think there's any newer content. This is I'm much more excited there. about Caverna, the two-player Caverna version. Oh, yeah, I've heard about it. I've heard that's really good. I've enjoyed it. I haven't yeah. played very much. This is a store copy that we have, but I thought it's pretty good. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, my, my friendly local game store let me a game recently. It's called Groves. Have you heard of that one? I have not. It's a fun game. It's a game in which you're um, drawing from a bag. So it's a, it's a, it's a bag-building game, I guess. And you're okay. building groves. And it was pretty fun. Uh, I love the art on it. The style of the art was really nice. You're trying to rebuild these groves for these fairies, or the fairies are maybe rebuilding, and you're taking actions based on what you draw out of your bag, which kind of fairies and that sort of thing. Neat little game. Big box game or little box game? It was biggish. Um, say like the size of Nation's dice game? Medium? Huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
I'll have to look into it. Yep. It's a multiplayer game with a solo variant. I actually found the multiplayer game pretty fun. I enjoyed that a lot more than solo, honestly. Hmm. But both were decent. Um, So back to the news. A couple items. Here's a couple different war games. First up, Compass Games published a game called Night Fighter Ace. This came out, I think, a month or two ago even. And in it, you're playing a World War II German fighter defending against the British bombing raids. Um, so I know, which, who is it? Uh, GMT published a, a night fighter game in the past, and that one I think you're playing the British. This time you're, you're playing the the Germans. It is actually similar mechanics to the game The Hunters, which was published by GMT. And that's a submarine game in which you play the German submarine going out and looking and hunting down enemy ships. So similar mechanics, what that means is there's just lots of dice rolling and there's probably very little decisions. It's a, it's just rolling to see what happens. So it ends up being more of a, a story that you're playing through than, than a, a strategic game with lots of choices. Mm-hmm. Now, at least at least that was my experience with The Hunters. The Hunters was a lot of fun, though. I definitely enjoyed it. So uh, it, it, sometimes lack of choice doesn't make a game bad. <laughs> uh, but yes, that is out and available already. Uh, the second one is by White Dog Games. Um, we covered a couple of, one or two of the games before, Reconquista and uh, Agricola, which is a, a war game, if you recall. I do. This, okay. This one is called Gorbachev, The Fall of Communism, and it is part one of their Cold War trilogy. Um, so as you can imagine, this is a game about the Cold War and the fall of communism. It is actually, looking through the rules, it's basically a States of Siege game. Uh, mechanically, the, the same idea. There's a a map, and it's got five different tracks, and you get uh, counters moving back and forth on the track, and if they reach the middle, you could lose the game. Just like just like any of the other States of Siege games published okay. by uh, Victory Point Games. So, it's, you know, honestly, this could have been published by Victory Point Games. It just seems they aren't pu- publishing many of those anymore, so... I don't know what happened. Maybe it's related to that. So yeah, so that's also available. That's also been out for a couple of weeks now, I think. And I that you could actually, you could buy a box edition, a bagged edition, or even a print and play, I think. Um, so you should, could check that out. It could be relatively reasonably priced. Though it's 80 counters. So I've built games with counters before, and that could be a bit of a pain, mounting them and, and cutting them out. But it is doable. Next up, Fantasy Flight Games, everybody should know about this by now, announced that they're releasing Arkham Horror, the board game, the third edition. Right, uh, just before Gen Con that I made that announcement. Yeah, so it's been a while. Uh, were you excited by that? No, not really. Okay. Have you, you've played the board game? I've played the board game a couple times. Okay. I mean, to tell you the honest truth, I'm just, I'm so invested in the card game yeah. that, that, I just prefer it to all the other all the other Arkham Horror stuff. I just prefer it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there's there's only so many Arkham Horror games you want to buy or anything like that, right? Yeah, right. I've, I mean, I've got the the second edition, the first edition Fantasy Flight published, and I've got a few of the expansions for that. It's a huge game and and complex, and sometimes a bit fiddly. And because of that, sometimes I don't want to play it. So it would seem like a simplified, streamlined. A new edition might be the thing for me, but I don't want to invest in it because I've already invested in the other one, right? So I hear that. It also doesn't look as nice. The instead of having a large map that you go travel to, 
they decided to make it more abstract and tiles instead of a, a pre-built board. You basically build it and make it different every time, which adds to replayability, but just doesn't look as nice. You know, in the in the original game, the the board looks like a map of the city, and this it looks like tiles laid out next to each other. And I don't, I didn't even remember seeing that they had pictures of a city on them, but that may have been an early prototype or something. I don't know. Anyway, that that should be out soon, no doubt. You know, they, they've they already announced it, which means it's weeks away, probably, or, or months away. I would say definitely before Halloween. They always have a big uh, Arkham Horror event on Halloween. You're talking about Arkham Knights? Yes. Right. Yeah. Do you normally go to Arkham Knights? I have never been, no. I, I've never really traveled to go to gaming events. It'd be neat, but isn't that like in Minnesota or something like that? It is in Minnesota, yes. So yeah. it's a long drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, another... I don't know if it's really news. It came and went so fast, but uh, the game Yggdrasil, which we also covered a, a few months back or a year back, and it was out of print when we covered it. It was a fun cooperative game, which I had said then feels a lot like a State of Siege game. The publisher Ludo announced they're going to print about 700 copies to sell at, at Essen this year, and and BGG acquired a few of those copies. Like maybe I think it was like did I say 100 or 200 something like that, maybe to sell in the in the BGG store. Unfortunately, they sold out really quick. So, I mean, there's no way this information could have been published quick enough to, to let people on the podcast know because I think it sold out within a day or two at most. Um, So it's not very useful news. The game's been republished. You're not going to be able to get a copy of it. Sorry. But they also did mention they're get, that the, they're not going to print it again because they're working on a newer edition or newer version called Chronicles of Yggdrasil, uh, which is based on the original game. So it probably won't be exactly the same, but it'll have, I assume, similar concepts and that sort of thing. So that should be interesting. Hopefully that's also a cooperative game. Um, an odd thing was they mentioned is that the they were not printing the game, just the base game, not the expansion, which is weird because the last printing was the base game plus the expansion in the same box. So I don't know if that was just hmm. a, a misunderstanding in the translation or they really decided not to publish expansion. And that's really odd. The expansion is just... Um, some player boards, some player mats, cards, basically. Large size cards. Six by nine or something like that. So, and maybe a dozen of them. So it wouldn't be hard to print the expansion to. So my guess is it does include it, and people are just misunderstanding what they said. Who knows? <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> no, of course not. But who knows? Um. Anyway, so that's not available. And then, and that's it. That's all I've got. Well, I did happen upon a pretty interesting article as well. Um, and I think I even showed this to you. This is an article that came out about designing the Automa for patchwork. Did you have a chance to look through that? Mm-hmm, I do remember looking at that, yep. So this was a uh, custom article that was published over on Morden Pedersen's uh, blog, basically going into all of the difficulties that went into designing the patchwork Automa, I was really surprised because I remember way back when I almost felt like it was a challenge to them, even though I think they were developing it already before I made that challenge. Uh, but I had said <laughs> at one point, I'm like, I can't imagine how you would make an Automa for patchwork. Like, how would you do that other just randomly doing stuff? It can't be, it can't be done, I said. <laughs> And lo and behold, it, it can be done. <laughs> so they pulled together a pretty cool little Automa for it. Pretty small deck. I think they were selling copies of just the deck at Gen Con. I don't know if it's possible to get the deck anymore or if you can actually purchase it anywhere other than printing it off. Um, but they made it pretty interesting just going through all of the different 
types of design options they had and how it is that they went through it all. And I mean, I certainly would have expected once it came out, like, oh, it's a deck of cards. Like how hard, how hard can it really be? But this is a really good insight about how difficult it can be to make a really well designed Automa system or Automa card deck for these kind of games. Just an interesting little insight. I highly recommend it for anyone who's more interested in the design aspects of these things. Mm-hmm, yep. You know, it seems sometimes, like you say, it seems like it might be easy, but sometimes it's a bit of a back-and-forth process. Sometimes you have to just put it away for a while and, and clear your thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. Right, and, and so it's neat to see to see what they go through to do this. Yeah, indeed. Indeed, indeed. All right, and so that I think that's it for the news. Um... Um, so let's talk about Five game. Tribes. Five Tribes, thank you. I already forgot what game it was. <laughs> Embarrassing. Um, so Five Tribes, what is this? This is a game by Bruno Cathala, published by Days of Wonder. I think it came out in 2015 or so. Okay, so Five Tribes is a game in which you're basically helping these Persian wanderers run around the desert looking for victory points and collecting victory points. Um, it's sort of a Mancala style game in terms of mechanics, but it is very much a, a thinky old game. I think they call it a worker displacement. Game. Is that what they called it? Worker displacement. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I like it. Um, all right, so so there we go. That's five tribes. the The rules. Um, have you read? You don't know in the game. Have you looked through the rules in that at all before? Does that? I have. Okay. Um, uh, I found the rules surprisingly small um, and easy to follow. And just because the, the reason I found them surprisingly small is because I'd played the game already and I remember the strategy being relatively complex. And for as much strategy as I got out of it, I was surprised how little rules there are to the game. I think it's like four pages, you know, including the big splash page at the front. Um, Lots of illustrations, lots of examples, very clear, very simply written. I... There isn't a lot to say about them there. Do you have any comments on the rules? I mean, I think this is the best kind of game for rules. It is an extremely simple book. There's not a lot that goes into it. It's not a complicated game in terms of the rules. Uh, They go through the list, everything pretty clearly. Nice visuals, nice graphics for everything. Pretty bright colors. Very well-designed rule book. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, absolutely. All right, so the theme, it's a Euro game, I said. There's not much theme to it, really. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's set in, in looks like ancient Persia, right? But you have jinns and assassins and builders and silk <laughs> and and, yeah, and all that stuff shows up in the game, and it feels like where it shows up in the game feels appropriate to the theme and the mechanics. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's a point salad, right? You're just trying to get points here and there. <laughs> um, you know, that being said, I the. The theme and the art style go well together, and exactly. I, I do love the theme and the components too. You know, it's whoever came up with the theme for this game implemented it very nicely. Whoever right did the graphic design or whatnot. Um. Right. So yeah, the so then the components. Now we start getting into the meat of it a little bit. The and it ties into the theme. They look fantastic. These components are so nice. Um. It's eye candy, I think. The game just looks very colorful and very attractive, and it, it you know, it's going to draw you in, I think, when you first see it. 
the you get a lot of big wooden pieces. There's camels and palm trees and palaces, and all these pieces are big, much larger than say a typical meeple. And so they're fun to pick up and place on the board and whatnot. Um, it does have a bunch of meeples, little itty bitty meeples again, compared to the other pieces. Uh, Ninety meeples in five different colors. Um, these are not player meeples. Nobody con- owns or controls all the meeples or the meeples of a color. They go on the board, and anybody can move any meeple on their turn, basically. Uh, there is a nice little bag for those meeples, so that only for the setup, because when you're setting them up, you're drawing them out of the bag blindly and putting them on the spaces. And when you're done, you put them back in the bag when you when you take them off the board later. But but it's still a very necessary thing. You've got to have a bag when you're doing that. Yeah, I mean, you could throw them on the box and then pull them out of the box blindly. That would be easy enough to do. And, you know, Arkham Horror said we've got a bag and they just told you use the box as a bag. They could have done it here too, but they... I don't think they said provide the box as a bag. I think they said you need to get your own bag. If I recall correctly, they said use the box. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But but again, they did mention the t- the draw bag, right? And then didn't give it to you. Here, they, they didn't even... They don't... They give you the bag. Right. So it's good that they give it to you. They're not they're not skimping on it. Not at you. all. That's exactly. good. So, so high quality stuff here. Um, you get 30 large tiles. These are like coaster sized tiles. Um, and they're used to form the board. You're going to make a, a six by five board. So each time you play, the setup is different. And, and it could really have an impact in so the choices you make and whatnot. And so those are nice. Very uh, nice art. Very plain. Um, symbols on there to let you know what the, the tile does and that sort of thing. Uh, the game brings cards, a bunch of small resource cards, like the little mini Euro cards, and a deck of that, and then, I don't know, probably two dozen gin cards, which are larger, again, coaster-sized cards. And and you'll be able to collect these cards throughout the game. And also some money. The game uses money, and the money is also victory points and very important. Uh, there might be some other components here and there that I didn't bother mentioning. Uh, <laughs> nobody cares about it. It's got an insert. The game is... No. You don't need to know <laughs> no. what those are. <laughs> I'm probably not really going to get into those things, but they are there. <laughs> so, okay, so there you go. There's your components. So this game, I, I think I mentioned it. It's the, the way that... I'm jumping into the gameplay section now. We're done with the components. The Well, before we get into that, I just want to mention... Ooh. That it's very bright and colorful. Yes, it is. I just think it it's like you look at it, and especially when you set it up to begin with, you're like feeling like you're blasted by psychedelic colors. It it looks cheerful, I think, possibly like forced cheerful. Like imagine just spraying rainbows all across your room and everywhere. It's very colorful. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I think that makes it very accessible. I think it's been described as a family game a lot. I think the game is probably yes. a little too heavy to be a family game, potentially. I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, the game, like we said, the, the rules are simple. It's easy to play. But I think if you play with very competitive people, it could become a very competitive game. If everybody can play casually, it could be a casual game. Possibly. But I don't think you can mix the two crowds happily. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. But I just want to say, like, it's it's extremely colorful yes. and cheerful, it, it, like it, a cartoon. It is. You know, and you look at it, and there's just so much color everywhere. And, and all, all 90 of those meeples are on the board at the beginning. And, you know, if you're like me, all your camels are set up. <laughs> I was playing with my son the other day, and uh, he's, 
he was sending me all the camels in a big line. He's just, I'm sending you a procession of camels, and he's just enjoying pushing them all at once to me. Cause, Your son loves you. Because <laughs> the components are just colorful and big and fun. Right? And, and I think that adds to the game a lot. Absolutely. They, they could have used counters, and it would have worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, so the gameplay. Let's talk about the gameplay. The In this game... I mentioned it's sort of a Mancala game, right? You're, I think I mentioned that. You're picking up the meeples off the board, and you're then you're laying them on space, in subsequent spaces, dropping off one at a time until you get to the last space. Similar to the way Mancala works, but not, not exactly the same. Um, instead of being in a circle, here you could go in any direction on that board from space to space. Um, Imagine Mancala being one dimension and this being two. Yes, that's right. But but the the first thing that's going to happen is gonna be, you're going to. And first, I'm telling you about the multiplayer game. You're bidding for player turn order. Um, so whoever went first in the last round gets to bid where they go in the next round. And you don't. It's not an open bid. Where you could bid whatever amount. You're basically placing your pawn on a space that has a cost. And everybody after you places their pawns either before you or behind you. If they want to go earlier in the turn, it's going to cost more. If they want to go later, it's going to cost less. So you just. You know, spend how much you're willing to spend. Keep it in mind that this money you're spending is also victory points at the end. So you can't, you may have a ton of money, and think, oh, I could just spend it all and, you know, just pay $15 to go first or whatever, 15 coins. That's 15 victory points you're giving up right there potentially. Right? So you, you want to think about that when you're, when you're taking your turn. That, that's an important aspect of every game, figuring out how much to spend and whether you need to go first or not. The, um, but anyway, so that's that's the first thing that happens. Once that's done, everybody in order is going to start picking up all the meeples in one tile and moving them around the board, dropping them off in subsequent spaces until they get to the last space and drop their last tile. And at that point, they take all the pieces of the color they just placed that are on that space, so the one they just placed and any others there, and based on that color of that meeple they took, they get to do a, a different action. Um, and this is really the heart of the game here, is figuring out what colors you want to finish with so you could decide what action you get. There's five colors. There's five tribes. There's assassins that could kill meeples. There's traders that let you gain resource cards. There's elders that you could use to buy gins or use gin abilities, or, or they could be points at the end. There's visitors that just give you points at the end, and there's builders that give you money. Right. So, again, depending on what you want to do each turn, you're going to choose that. And uh, that really is the meat of the game. It's figuring out which is the best action to take each turn to get you the ultimately the most points to win the game. The the second thing that happens with each tile has a symbol. It's also going to give you an action. So depending what space you end on, you're going to get a different action. So each turn you're basically getting two actions, a worker action and a tile action. And generally speaking, each worker action could help you in a couple different ways. Each tile could help you in maybe one way. But ultimately they're all you're trying to maximize it to get the best moves each turn. Um once you've done that and everybody's gone, that ends around. You refill cards and you go on to the next round and keep playing over and over, right? That's the yep. that's gameplay. It's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Um, where where it gets complex is as the game progresses. At first, you got this board full of meeples and it feels like you could do anything, go anywhere, and it doesn't matter. And you know, there's there's just lots of choices. As the game progresses, these meeples are leaving the board and going back into that bag. The number of choices are diminishing. And the game starts getting tighter and tighter, and each person starts spending more time trying to figure out that optimal move because there's just fewer choices left. And and so so as the game progresses, it slows down, 
um, choices become more important. People are starting to be more willing to spend money to go early because because they have critical things they want to do and they want to make sure they get to do it before you do it. Because at first, there's a good chance that if I go first, it, it wouldn't have mattered because you and I want to go completely different ends of the board. So it had absolutely no impact on the turn. The turnover had no impact whatsoever. Um, later on, that's much less likely. Right, going first may be is is critical in some cases. So I mean, so that's basically the game. It's a lot of fun. I think the game, I'd say, lasts sixty to ninety minutes. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but that sounds about right. Um, depending on on experience and whatnot, and how much analysis paralysis you you succumb to, it's definitely a game that will cater to the person that likes analysis paralysis. <laughs> <laughs> I find it interesting that we cater to that kind of person. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, so in, in multiplayer games, not so fun. In solo, I personally enjoy that. I enjoy sitting there okay. and spending my time and puzzling out the best move. So that was the gameplay. Any any comments on that, Julius? Gameplay for me has been smooth and simple, I think. that uh, you know, I haven't really had a problem taking too long with my turns for this kind of game. You you can, especially because everything is so brightly colored, it doesn't take a lot of difficulty to be able to find your optimal move and be able to, to play it, I think. So I don't really think we have issues of analysis paralysis in this game. You are able to keep it moving pretty fast. And yeah, it's a good gameplay. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I found that as the game progresses towards the end, and you know, maybe it's because we'd only played it a few times at first, I haven't played too many multiplayer games of this, but that towards the end when you're running out of choices, um, what's the best choice for me is not necessarily the best choice for you. So we want to probably do different things. And we find that we kept trying to help each other, trying to find those best moves. You play this game very differently than I play this game. <laughs> we weren't being, I mean, we're being co-op competitive because we want, everybody wants to win, but I was also willing to say, look at this. If you did that, you could get a lot more points, man. You should go there. It's just, wanting to help each other out. I mean, I suppose I'll do things like that also, but sometimes I'm doing that because I want you to take your turn. <laughs> See, analysis paralysis. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I helped out my son the other day when, when I taught him the game and I told him, look, you could do this over here. He says, oh, good idea, thanks. Or, or something like that. And then when my turn came up, he, he totally didn't point out things like that and I made some dumb mistakes, which he then was cheerfully <laughs> able to take advantage of. <laughs> That's not fair. I helped you, man. You should help me. He also killed yeah, me. Yeah, right. He beat me by like 60 points, which is a lot. Yeah. Jerk. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I didn't help him that much that game. It was the second game where I was helping more. But anyway, so so yeah, so that that is the the game. That's that's the mechanics of your play multiplayer. I think it's a great multiplayer game. The solo game is, is very similar, but it's, it definitely feels... A little different, I think. Uh, first up, it's shorter. The solo game is always going to be about 11 turns because there's a timer in it in that when you're going to be playing against an AI. Uh, each turn... each Here's how the turn goes in the solo game. You roll two dice, not included, and a, a white die and a black die. As the, that's how they described in the rules. The white die determines the row and or the column, and the black die determines the row... And that way you pinpoint on a tile on the board. The AI is going to go first and take all the meeples off that space and use the meeple actions for all the meeples. 
not just one color, but all of them. So he's going to empty the towel out and put his camel. The A game always ends, whether it's multiplayer or solo. There's a couple ways, but one of the ways it ends is if a person runs out of camels. So because the AI is doing this every turn and he has 11 camels, the game is probably going to last around 11 turns. There's a couple things that could change that, but that's basically true. Um, I don't know how many turns the multiplayer games last, but I think it's longer. Right, so I kind of described how the AI works. He's going to just always empty the towel. It's not exactly the way a player works, because remember, a player is moving meeples around the board, so his he's spreading towels out and taking some. It, the human is. The AI is always just emptying one space and not touching anything around it. So, so it definitely has a different feel and a different mechanic to it, and it, it's just it's just not like playing a, a, a multiplayer game. Um, but anyway, in the, in the solo game, there's four ways to lose the game. Um, if you could survive all these, then you might actually have a chance of winning. First, <laughs> uh, might, yeah, definitely. The first one is if the AI ever gets six gins, you could acquire gins by collecting white meeples, he, he, you lose the game automatically. If he has seven assassins, those are the red meeples, you lose the game automatically. If you don't have enough money to pay him, you lose the game. Normally, you don't pay people in this game, um, but in the solo game, when the AI takes the blue meeples off the board, and normally what would happen is the AI, the person when takes blue meeples off the board, that gets you money. The AI, instead of getting money, he takes money away from you. Um, so if the AI is going to take up blue meeples and you don't have enough money left to pay him, you lose automatically. Um, and finally, at the end of the game, once the game is over, if the AI has more viziers, which are, are yellow meeples, than you do, or actually, if you have to have more than him. Not, so if he has the same or more than you, you lose the game. So if you've managed to make it to Harsh. the end, it is, it really is. If you've managed to make it to the end, then you could add up your points and see how you did. And now you're comparing against chart. The AI never actually scores in the game. He's just there to interact with the board and you that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a high, a good winning score is 220-something, I think. And a, a, the, they're saying if you score below one. I think 180, then you're something like an is no good or something. It's got it's got a terrible title. That's the lowest rank. <laughs> and is no good. Yeah. So so you want to score somewhere between that basically, right? My scores have been up to 160. <laughs> if I if I make it to the end, because I have I haven't made it to the end every time and I've never done well. <laughs> so it's definitely there's a lot of opportunity to learn how to play. Um. So that's basically how the oh no that's basically how the solo game works. There's one more thing I mentioned the the mul- that I didn't mention the multiplayer game has an auction mechan- mechanic I told you already about how to determine who goes first. In the solo game, it works differently. The AI is going to roll the dice and the AI is going to go first. Um, you can choose instead of letting him go first, pay to go before him. So you're going to roll the dice and you're going to see that maybe the space is going to go to has two or three red meeples on it and if he takes those you're going to lose the game because he now has more than seven you're able to say well i will go ahead and pay the bank the amount you have to pay is adding up the two numbers that he rolled so if you rolled a three and a four that you got to pay seven if you rolled a one and a two you only have to pay three so depending on which end of the board it is it kind of makes a difference but you pay that to the bank and then you could go first you know probably picking up those meeples and putting them somewhere else so he can't take that space and, and do your thing so I found that really interesting. It's a neat mechanic. It's not quite the same in, in as the auction. 
Um, most of the time, you don't care if he goes first or not, so you just let him go first. Once in a while, you say, oh, I really need to stop him this time before before things get out of control or whatever. Or sometimes you're thinking, you know, I really think it's important that I go first this time, but it's going to cost me nine coins, and that's a huge amount in the solo game. I don't know if I want to pay it, so now it becomes a tough choice, much like the auction mechanism in the multiplayer game is a tough choice sometimes. So I found that I really neat. I found that interesting and neat. It's not always critical, but but when it is, it, it's a it's a, something to think on a bit. Um, the the money is tight in the solo game too. I think in the multiplayer game, everybody has fifty to begin with, and you don't have to worry about running out. In that same sense, I mean, if you do run out, then there's some things you just can't do potentially. But uh, like, go first. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but that's it, big deal. You'll go last, but you'll still get to go. And there are ways to make money back potentially in the game. But if you're playing a solo game, if you run out, it's over. So so you have to be careful with that. Um, so in it, it does it does feel different, where where you're not simply just trying to get points and points and points like multiplayer game, but trying to to stay alive. And, and I found that interesting. So anyway, so that okay. that was the solo game. Um, one important thing I didn't mention: the game doesn't bring the rules in the box. They are available from Days on Wonder on their website. Uh, they released it like a year or two ago as like a Christmas present or something like that, or Halloween present to people. I don't remember what it was. And this is actually the source for the comment back at the beginning was when Albert told me that this has a solo mode. I said, "What are you talking about?" And I had never heard. <laughs> That mm-hmm. it has a solo mode. I never knew that it has a solo solo mode. So what do you know? Yep, it's because it wasn't available at the time they published the game. It got added on later, so most people probably wouldn't know. Um. So so there we go. Any any comments about that, Julius? Any other questions or anything? Uh no. Okay. Okay. So the that's not the overview. Let's move on to what's next. Oh yeah, the overview. Um, so I found this, both the multiplayer and solo game, really fun and, and, and need to play. I honestly, I think I enjoy the multiplayer more than the solo game, but I do enjoy the solo game. I like trying to puzzle out that best move to, to both keep, uh, stay alive and, and get points. And it could be very hard. I am finding that it is, I, you know, I haven't gotten good at it yet, but I, I'm pretty sure that as you start learning strategies to use in that solo game, you're going to start learning how to win more often and get better at it. And I could see some of the things I'm doing wrong now and, and how to change them. I just haven't gotten to a point where I'm able to do that well or successfully or consistently yet. Um, what I think it is, it involves a lot more planning ahead than than otherwise. And probably than the multiplayer game. Because in the multiplayer game, I mean, you are often planning ahead. But I think the, a, your de- more deliberate opponent could get in the way more more easily um but but i do enjoy the solo game i do enjoy puzzling out would i buy this game specifically for the solo rules (laughs) actually i did honestly because it was on clearance and barnes and noble and i think i got it for like 15 bucks or something like that so so it's a steal nice and i knew i was only really played solo so i said oh sure nice that's worth it (laughs) yeah so but if but if I were paying full price, I probably wouldn't buy it just for the solo rules. I'd probably also want to play, be able to play multiplayer. I think as as you play and you get better, you could probably eventually s- maybe solve the solo game. 
But even then, each time you play, it's a different tactical situation because the the green meeple is going to be a different end of the board than they were the last time, and the position of the tiles is all going to matter. So, so you still end up puzzling everything out for that game, for the individual game, and that will always be true. Um, I think losing will become less of a concern. It's, then it'll just be a matter of can you beat your high score if if you care about the high score. I find that when I play, the score doesn't matter so much to me. It's just the whole process of playing is fun in this game. Um, I don't know. For me, sometimes it's always a concern when I, when I play a multiplayer game solo is I'm worried that if I play it a lot solo, I'm going to get a lot better at it and then play an opponent and have an unfair advantage because they haven't played as much. Like, like say it's a game I play against my son or my wife regularly. Um, if I then start playing solo when they're not playing, then it kind of gives me a leg up. And that tends to make, especially like for my wife that is not uh, as into gaming as much, that makes it less fun for her. And th- that kind of concerns me a little bit with this game, but I think that it's different enough that the, the stuff you gain out of this doesn't always apply in the multiplayer game, so I don't think it'll be a huge issue. In case in point, my son still beat me the first time he played. <laughs> not, that I'm, not that I'm bitter. <laughs> By 60 points even. Oh. Poor Albert. <laughs> um. So that is my overview. Of... I have a lot less to comment about it because I've had less time to be able to play yeah. these solo games since you only just recently introduced me to the fact that it's a solo game. Surprise! Exactly. <laughs> um. The first thing I definitely want to mention is why did they not make more knowledge or news or publication about the fact that there's a solo game for it? Where did that come from? Just they surprised I, me. I don't know. They did announce it when it happened. I remember seeing it like in the BGG News or something like that. Did they? Somewhere. I totally yeah, missed but, it. But it came and went, right? It, and they didn't like add it to the to future editions. It's still something you got to go download. Right. It's a variant. I mean, so. they could have. They could have done a lot of things differently to make more of a splash about it, but they didn't. Yeah. So it's not. And right. I mean, they did change in later editions because of the debacle with the fact that the the slave cards turned to the fakir cards so they've definitely yes. made changes in later editions the fact that this wasn't included just continues to surprise me well and this came out after that actually so so this they came first out replaced after that this yeah they replaced the slaves with the fakirs and then later on they came out with a solo variant uh, i don't know yeah um but you know how often does a person go to the publisher's website? Oh, I love this game. Let me go look at their website and just, you know, read some articles about the game. Nobody does that. So, well, yeah. It's a good thing we're here to make sure it. that everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And that, that's why we're telling you about this. Yep. Um, or, you know, on BGG, if you see it play, but I don't think it gets a lot of solo play. So maybe maybe most people disagree with me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, definitely yeah. I could speak more in terms of the multiplayer game. I think for the multiplayer game, you said this, you weren't sure if this is a family type game. I think it's pretty good for families. It's It has some level of cutthroatness, and you definitely need to have some level of planning to be able to execute on well. So there's both a strategy element and a tactics element, because you want to see what the correct turn is, but you also want to be advancing a goal over the course of the game to interact well with your gin cards and the the course that you're going on. So you want to be able to focus on all the things at once, but it's still bright and colorful. It's not really cutthroat. <laughs> it's not really... A, a tacky cool. type game in the multiplayer game. It's got assassins. Of course it's cutthroat. It's not really. <laughs> I mean, well, yes, it, it does have assassins. 
they can't. I mean, if if you get easily, if your hurts, if your feelings get hurt easily, this game could do that to you potentially. Um, if a person attacks your character, your pieces that you're saving up or something like that, and sets you back some points, or if they mess up a move you really need to do and sets you and that sets you back, but it's it feels limited. Hurt, I mean, it feels limited. You can't really yeah. target another player. This is not like an Ashes or any other game where you're direct head to head playing it. It's still a Euro point salad. You can get in the way a little bit, but it's really hard to find a game where you completely don't get in the way of another player. And I think this right. one leans towards the side of you don't really get in the way that much. You use it a little bit, but it doesn't feel like you're really going up against someone else, uh, go, go, going head-to-head against someone else in the game. You're just you're enjoying playing the game together. And it's so bright, colorful, and cheery. Like It, it just doesn't <laughs> feel true. like it hurts so much. Yeah, I, I do think when you're playing, like I said, towards the end of the game, you may step on each other's toes, and an action I take may may totally mess up what you really were looking forward to doing to get a lot of points. But it's not like um, the, but that's it's not an deliberate. accident. It's not deliberate. It's that there's very few things to do, and we all have to do something. And it's very often when I'm playing the end of the game like that, I'll say, hey, you have this ability. I'm just going to let you know about it because I feel like it will in all honesty, help advance the end of the game. Because otherwise, you won't see it, and you'll continue looking to find it, and I'm just going to cut through that, and here you go, here it is. <laughs> yeah. Though my experience is in the last handful of turns, I may, because there's so few actions left, it is very easy for me to look at my choices and look at everybody else's choices, and I may take actions, choose one action over the other, simply because one action is going to hurt you and, and help me, versus the other one that's just going to help me. But I think again, that's probably true in most games, right? You're trying probably, to win, you're gonna, you're probably. Um, but yeah, so you don't get any of that in the solo game. <laughs> that's the, that, as always. AI that is, is true. <laughs> yep. So let me see the. This is a, so. If you go, to, we should include the link to this. But if you go to the Days of Wonder website and look at the Five Tribes game, there's a goodies section, and in there you will find the Five Tribe solo rules. Which, like I said, I think these were. I don't know. Somewhere I thought I saw that it was like released for a Christmas gift or something. I don't know where that is. Up. Anyway, the, and the rules are nice, colorful. They, they're the layout is just like the the game rules, so they look really nice. It's something you want to print out in color and put in your game box. They're very well done. Yeah, uh, they should include them in newer editions of the game. It should. It it would be nice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's a, a actually now that I mention it, think about it. There's a couple of expansions for the game, right? There's there's a Thieves of Nakala. Then there's a small little no, there's a, the small little Thieves expansion. There's something the Artisans of Nakala, which is a bigger expansion. And there's another bigger expansion that just came out, I think, or at least this year it came out. I forget what the Whims of the Sultan. Those two bigger expansions both add tiles. And are therefore not really compatible with the solo rules because the solo rules assume a five by six grid. If you change that, you'd have to. It would definitely change the scoring. So it probably may, it mechanically would still probably work, but it would now be unbalanced for for the way they designed the solo rules. So you probably wouldn't would not bother trying that. I think the other expansion, the Thieves one, just adds a few tiles. I think you could potentially add that without really impacting the the balance of it. Um, but I have not tried it with that one. 
so yeah, so so there you go. So again, the solo rules only only use the base game. I I don't have either of the expansion. Well, I've got the thieves expansion. I don't have the the two bigger ones. Um, so I can't really comment on how how well they work in the multiplayer game or anything like that. Not that it matters in a solo podcast. <laughs> this Who is cares? true. Forget them. <laughs> so there we go. I think that that's a wrap for me. I don't think I have any other comments on this game. Like it, love it. It's fun. It's a it's very thinky. At least the solo rules, especially the solo game, is especially. I'm also in. I think that bright, cheery, bright, cheerful, and fun mm. to play. Yep. All right. And that is that. And how are we in time? Forty. Oh, it's a short episode. That's just fine. Anything else, Julius? You want to say goodbye to the Bye listeners? listeners? You're still listening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. All right. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.